Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, the Jazz have done it. They've got the best record in the NBA. They are the one seed in the West. They have home court advantage in every single playoff series. Finished with 52 wins. So, they get the win over Sacramento, and then the Kings were sitting a bunch of guys, so it wasn't that hard to do. And after a slow start, the Jazz took control in the second quarter and blew the game open in the third. And so there you go. 52 wins, the one seed. Phoenix is the two seed. Uh, the three seed is Denver after the Clippers. Marvelous tank job. They sat all their starters. They sat their top reserves. They just sit whoever you have to, I guess. They get to four and presumably the other side of the bracket from the Lakers if the Lakers win that 7-8 game. Clippers are four. They're going to play the Mavericks five. That was a good series last year in the bubble. It went six before the Clippers won. Doncic hit that big shot at the buzzer to Tie it up at 2-2. So they'll meet. Portland is 6. They're going to play Denver, who's 3. The Lakers are 7. They'll play the Warriors, who is 8 in the play-in series. And the Grizzlies are 9 after losing to Golden State. So they will now play the Spurs, who and host the Spurs, who are 10. So the play-in series for the West will start Wednesday and wrap up Friday. The Jazz will find out who they're playing Friday night when the 8th seed is determined. So... There you go. That's where the NBA playoffs stand. All right, we are going to take a break. Coming up, we got the best of the Jazz post-game show as the players look back on a trying season, look ahead to the postseason. Jordan Clarkson cracks everybody up, gets off a great line. And uh, I'll just let you think about this. What song, right now, what song captures the mood of Jazz players, the Jazz team, the Jazz fan base? What do you got? Jordan's got a great answer coming up. Just a great answer. I'll give you a hint. It's a song that's older than he is. How about that? I'll leave it right there. Uh, maybe you saw it on social media. It was certainly out there last night. Everybody was laughing about it when he did it. He did it so well. It was. He's got, he's got a future as a comedian when he's done with this basketball thing. Coming up next, Yogi Roth. Pac-12 has a new commissioner. Uh, good news for Yogi Roth. The Pac-12 commissioner likes the Pac-12 network. So that's got to be good for Yogi. We'll talk uh, football and Pac-12 commission with Yogi Roth next. Then the best of the jazz post-game show. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz are the one seed in the NBA playoffs, and we are going to get you the best of the postgame show coming up. But first, Yogi Roth joined us late in the show on Friday to talk Pac-12 and Pac-12 football and Pac-12's new commissioner. Here's Yogi with PK and I. Yogi, good morning and congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Sounds like congratulations because it sounds like the new commissioner is a fan of the Pac-12 networks, and I think that immediately makes you a fan of the new commissioner. Like this guy's smart. My employment seems like it's in better shape right now. I like this guy. Oh, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, watching the press conference, you were like, "Yeah, you, you heard that line," and uh, I was excited about it, as as we all should be, right? We know the potential of this thing. I, I met George years ago. Um, I was reminded on YouTube yesterday, we interviewed him actually on the Pac-12 Networks when we made our announcement to go to Las Vegas for the football championships and, of course, adding from the basketball championship there. And he was he was really easy to talk to, 
But I think the number one thing in entertainment is likability. I learned that at 19. I went to Bristol on my spring break, and I watched the Heisman Trophy ceremony in their control room as a student athlete in college. And the executive producer said, the number one thing is likability. Watch Herb Street right there. He's really likable, right? And I've always remembered that. And watching George yesterday, I was like, likability was jumping through a Zoom screen. Right? Imagine in person. Right? We had all staff meeting with him uh, yesterday for a little while as well at the Pac-12. Uh, he, he's going to do great. Uh, I'm really excited about him. I think for all of us, you know, you heard the name. Because nobody knew anything. Like, legitimately, nobody knew anything. And you had pause. And you did a little research. You read about him. You remember that you met him. At least that's kind of was my journey. And then I sat there and, and gave him the benefit of the doubt and listened in and heard his vision for our building and our conference. And I was like, let's go, man. Like, I can't wait to throw it out for you. And, and all of my colleagues share that same sentiment. Uh, we're excited. And you guys know this being in the footprint you're in. The potential around the Pac-12 is immense. Uh, the reality around the Pac-12 is as competitive with any other league in the country. The problem is that the narrative got a little bit out of whack. And I think that, you know, it's a true reset with now a new commissioner, Martin Hanks, running football. Um, I'm really I'm really excited about it. I think our head coaches and ADs are excited about it. And I think it's going to be a really, really cool, you know, whatever we get out of them, a decade, if you, if you imagine that, um, you know, the next era of Pac-12 sports, specifically football, is really exciting. Yeah, that's funny you say that because all the stuff you're saying, except for the opportunity that you had to – interview him those were my exact sentiments i didn't I, I didn't interview him but i hear the name you immediately get on the internet you start looking him up and for us it was 11 o'clock in california for us it was noon i made sure that you know i'm sitting down at noon fire up the uh station make sure i got everything covered and i've told you you know, I'm a Pac-10 guy, graduate of ASU, so I go way back. This is my conference. I feel a, a personal connection to this conference. And, and DJ can vouch for this. We were talking about this earlier. And I said, now, I didn't know the guy from Adam, but yet he was on that thing for about a half hour, 40 minutes, whatever it was. And I came away, and I said this very thing. You used the term likability. I came away with thinking that this guy's a people person. And when you go to get stuff done, being a people person really, really matters. And that was this was my very first impression of him. And it seems like it's in total concert of what you said. Uh, How important you think going forward as he tries to he's got a lot of stuff that he needs to get done. Is that being that people person necessary to be able to accomplish what you want to get done? I think, you know, in the NFL right now, what do they always say in the trend right now is not X's and O's, it's communicators. Right? That's like the, the the lingo used in the league right now in terms of hiring head coaches. I think it's the same thing in really any profession, right? Can you hire somebody who has a high level of emotional intelligence, which would loosely be defined as having the capacity to deal with your thoughts and the thoughts of others with empathy? And I thought even his answer to the Pac-12 Networks question uh, had exactly that because he knew 200 employees were sitting there kind of waiting on, you know, all the rumors and innuendos and things that you hear. Uh, in addition to many other topics, um, he, he carried that. And if you look at his background, to your point, right, this guy helped launch uh, Hulu. 
you know, the Olympics with NBC, uh, one of the largest media companies in the world, let alone what he's done at MGM. The amount of personalities he's been around and egos he's been around probably mirrors college football. And I don't know if any of us or any of your listeners could name, you know, 12 high-level executives in any of those companies combined. But I bet they're very similar personalities to the 12 personalities we all know as head coaches in football, right, or in men's basketball or any other major sports in Pac-12 play. And you have to be able to, as he said, go on this listening tour, you know, make sure that people feel empowered. And then it's on you to make the call, right? It's educated. It's well thought out. It's well-versed. It's got great input. But that's really, to me, the job is to serve the schools. What's best for the schools? And I think the definition of the schools it has changed a little bit over time. And I say that because if you look at, you know, when Commissioner Scott came in, I think Twitter just started, right? Look at it now. I, just, I presented to the head coaches last week, and I talked about the narrative of the Pac-12 and how it's not only shaped by a third of their voices, but also now a growing number of player voices, Right? So we got to make sure we empower these voices with the, the knowledge, the wherewithal, the resources, the support as the narrative changes and, the, and you know, the, the game and the field relatively changes a little bit. So I'm excited for him in that regard. Uh, and I know all of my colleagues are as well. We're, we're looking forward to getting to work. Uh, I can remember meeting him at media days a couple of years ago. And, you know, it, what, I, what I felt yesterday, I felt then. Really likable, easy to talk to. Oh, this guy seems really innovative. Low ego, high output, right? But strong, right? You felt that yesterday on the Zoom when he was asked a bunch of challenging questions. Like, you can have a strong personality and sensibility around him that you want to get behind. And I think for us as a sports entity, my last point on him is we all come from the background of sports. And what do you want in sports? You want to be coached. You want to be led. You want to compete. You want to take swings. You want to go for it on fourth down. Like, a lot of things I think, uh, you, know, you know, Commissioner Scott did, and I definitely know all of those things are what everyone in our building wants to do, let alone the people in the 12 respective, you know, athletic departments around this conference want to do is get after it because the narrative got a little out of whack, right? It got lazy and it got inaccurate. And I think by the changing of the guard, uh, you know, truly a, a new change will give it a new narrative, even for those in the East Coast or the Southeast that don't want to do a lot of homework, even for them, it's going to have to change. And I think that's a real positive for our conference. Well, I think I can hear the whole uh, breath of fresh air thing that, uh, you know, new leadership. And PK knows a guy I went to college with, used to work in the conference office. He's been gone for a while. But he was there, and he said, it isn't on the inside what it looks like from the outside. There's a lot of impressions of Larry Scott and the people right underneath him that aren't accurate. He says, but there's also things going sideways on the inside that the people on the outside don't have any knowledge of. And he said, I like it, but he says, and he was going to have a career opportunity. He was going to move on to something else anyway. He says, I'm leaving, but I like it, but I get that a lot of people here are beaten down. And it is not good. And so all the things that you say about his personality, I think, are really important. Because when my friend tells me there's a lot of people beaten down here, I 100% believe him. And so to the degree this guy can inspire. And another thing you said there, have you been talking to Chris Hill lately, Joe? Or Yogi? Joe. I have, I have not. Uh, so Chris Hill yesterday, I talked to him, and he didn't want to come on the show. He's willing to share some thoughts, but he didn't want to be out front and you know hopping around on TV and radio or whatever. And he said, 
every not every time, but several questions I asked him, his answer was, if he listens to the ADs and they try to problem solve together, he's going to be successful. If he's top down and he sits in his office and tries to decide stuff by himself, he's going to fail. And I asked him multiple questions, and he went back to that answer like three times. And I think he says, I think if you're taking anything away from this, I think he needs to work with the ADs. He said, Larry wanted to work with the presidents. He says, but none of the presidents come up through the athletic department. This isn't their front porch. It's the school's front porch, but it's not their life experience. He says he's got to work with the ADs. And if he does, he'll probably be successful. And I think he will, right? I mean, it's not like he came into the job without any knowledge of what went on before him. Right. And I think that was well discussed, right? What you referenced and mm-hmm. Commissioner Scott even referenced it or, you know, around, you know, talking to the ADs, you know, in, in probably greater depth or detail. I'm not, I'm not really sure exactly how those meetings went, but he, he would reference that. So I, I think you're right. I think he'll enter this job really collaborative. Right. And, and again, that's the state of the conference. This is not uh, just the ACC where you have Clemson. And that's it in football. And no respect to my beloved Pitt Panthers. Uh, <laughs> but that's kind of the deal. Or in the SEC, it's Bama and everybody else. Right? The Pac-10 was that, at least from the outside looking in. It was SC and then the rest of it. But that, that's not what it is now. It's, it's more competitive. And I think because of where we're positioned, uh, you know, the narrative of the conference, the, the cultural playoff reality, unfortunately, over the last eight years or so, is that it's got to be rising tides, float all boats. And then when you have a team, separate maybe it's Oregon and they're eight no you double down but I, my biggest point I think is a 21-17 win in the Pac-12 is considered kind of an ugly win right let's just say it's Oregon over Cal or Oregon over Oregon State right in a rivalry game versus in other conferences it's a gritty win right? that could be Ohio State over Indiana right it could be Alabama or you know over Tennessee right and we all know, and I know after this year specifically, watching a lot of other conferences football games, those teams are not that good, right? They're not um, like the Oklahomas, the Texases, the brands that just get the Michigans, that get the benefit of the doubt, the Penn States. They're not world beaters. Right? I'd put Cal up against any of those, right? If you want to say Cal is, you know, top third but lower of the top third in the Pac-12 over the last couple of years, but in that conversation, I put them up against every one of those teams. So I, I think for him coming in and. You know, listen to everybody, as you reference is going to be something that he's doing. Uh, in respect to people in the building being, you know, as you said, beat down, yeah. I think that the last year and a half has really been tough for everybody in every profession, and specifically one in sports, where the goalposts seem to move every day, right? Games being canceled, you know, having to reshuffle production trucks, you know, the air, air date schedule, uh, let alone the testing, the protocols, the contract tracing, the local ordinances that would go on in Berkeley versus Salt Lake City. Uh, I think everybody feels that, man. You know, I don't know if you feel that too, but I, I think no matter the profession, right, like whether it's teachers at my son's kindergarten class or us at the Pac-12, like I think the year has compounded a feeling of, you know, traditional exhaustion in your job. So I, I think this coming break here, we got two more spring games, uh, I want to say there's, you know, maybe less than 20 events for the Pac-12 networks and the Pac-12 schools before the summer break. That break's going to be so welcomed that I think when we come back to media days in late July, it's going to be awesome. It's going to feel like it did year one with Larry Scott or the years where SC was rolling and you knew you had a legit contender. Uh, I just, I get that sense. 
And, and, I, and I think that I'll feel that when I talk to you guys the morning of media days like we've done every year. So we know that he could do some stuff from the television aspect and, and negotiating deals and getting the Pac-12 network on greater distribution. I have direct, but I probably five years ago, I said, I got, I got to get more, actually more so for basketball uh, for the Pac-12. So I bought Comcast. So I got two in my house. And, you know, I got to watch the Pac-12 network and I watched the uh, I'm at stadiums on Saturdays, as you know. But, you know, during the week, you could they rerun the, the shows that you guys do. And then I always make sure because I'm at a stadium with the Utes that I'm watching those 60 minute games that you do. And I became I came away impressed with the product. And it was uh, disappointing that it doesn't have wider distribution. So I get that he can do that. And if he does do that, that's a home run right off the bat. But I'm wondering what you think a change in commissioner can do as far as elevating the talent level and keeping these kids who growing up and go to high school in Pac-12 cities within the conference so we don't have the quarterback for Alabama and Clemson being from the Pac-12 territory. What can commissioner do to help that? Well, I, I, that's a that's a real fun conversation, right? Like, you know, you can go specific to those two young men, right? Bryce Young committed to SC, and then they play a true freshman, and he leaves, rightfully so. DJ going to Clemson, you're going to start there. SC chose Bryce over him, so he chose Clemson. So I think in that instance, it's it's not you know necessarily the point that you're probably trying to make here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, gotcha. To the point that I, to the point I think you're trying to make, I think what the commissioner can do is provide moments just like in recruiting where you're in the dialogue right think about like when jim harbaugh took over at michigan they offered over 250 guys mario cristobal at oregon they're constantly offering over 200 300 guys every season whereas like chip year one he offered maybe 85 right so what was the point the point was like on social media or in the recruits mind ucla wasn't being talked about as much as say oregon or michigan i think with this new hire we're going to be talked about a lot, right? The college football playoff expansion is going to be one thing. Because if it expands, we're rolling. If it's not, he's going to continue to hammer that, right? That was one of his major points. So we're going to always be in a dialogue from a recruiting standpoint. I think regarding uh, exposure, it's going to be great. You know, coaches are on the road today or talking to recruits today saying, the, the future of our conference is amazing. Number one, you can already get the networks if you wanted to. There's a few over-the-top services. But, man, we're just getting going here with this new leadership. You want to be part of this conference. But I think that's what he can do to help sell the competitiveness of the conference, sell the exposure. And then I think the last one is a big one, which is the name, image, and likeness thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, everybody wants the NCAA and or the government to kind of be on the same page. So it's uniform across all conferences. I don't think anybody would argue that the resources in Los Angeles or, you know, even if your school plays in Los Angeles once or twice a year and you go to school in Pullman, it's still better than going to play in Knoxville, going to play in Auburn, going to play in Gainesville. Like, it's just a different market. So I think that will be something very sexy that will be appealing to a lot of these recruits. Uh, and then I think you could sell his background. But the leader of our conference is, was at the forefront of sport and entertainment dramatically better uh, than any other conference commissioner, just based on his background, right? MGM, NBC, Hulu, the Olympics, um, Hearst Media. I mean, we can go down the list. 
I think those are going to be the sexy things. I don't think any kid's going to go to USC to play quarterback only because there's a new commissioner, to be very clear. I, I think that the thing that he'll provide the schools is the talking points, resources, and then actual data to continue to make the argument that this conference uh, is the leading conference for players because of NIL, because of the footprint and the mindset around social justice and equity in all parts of society. I, I think there's some really cool things that, you know, the conference of, you know, the Pac-12 is just different than any other footprint around the country. And I, I think those are the things that you sell. And then probably just the fresh narrative, right? Like, I don't, I don't think you can kind of beat down the lazy term of, hey, the Pac-12, they're in trouble, the leadership, not really sure what's going on there. You can't say that if you're a head, if you're Kirby Smart or if you're any other head coach around the country coming into Phoenix or Salt Lake City or Los Angeles. Like Eddie Orgeron can't say that anymore um, if he's trying to go get a defensive lineman out of Salt Lake City. Right? So I, I think those things help, but I, I don't know if he's going to you know land the top quarterback in the country and make sure they you know flip a commitment from one school to one in the one in the West. There's Yogi Roth from the Pac-12 Network with BK and I. When we come back, the best of the Jazz post-game show as the Jazz win and lock up the one seed. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz blow out the Sacramento Kings, dominating the second and third quarters to pull away and win easily. They are the one seed in the playoffs, and will now wait for the play-in tournament to see if they get the Lakers, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, or the Spurs. They're not getting the Spurs. Let's rule that out. They're not getting the Spurs. They'd love to get the Spurs. They dominated the Spurs three times, but I can't see the Spurs winning twice. All right, we'll get to all that coming up. Let's get to the best of the postgame show right now. It's your Jazz Recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz clinched the best record in the NBA for the first time in franchise history. After beating the Kings last night, 121-99, to they are 52-20 and on the season, and they will have the top seed in the Western Conference when the playoffs begin next weekend. Uh, Jordan Clarkson led the way last night with 33 points. Bogdanovich had 18. Rudy with 13 and 16. Mike Conley with a really nice game in 22 minutes, 11 points, 9 assists, and 6 rebounds. Uh, but uh, yeah, the Jazz lock it up. It was a wild, kind of a, a wonky and wild last night of basketball uh, uh, the, for the regular season. The Suns uh, clinched the second seed. The Nuggets third. The Clippers fourth. What an incredible tank job by the Clippers to lose to the Rock and to Oklahoma City on purpose to move back to that four spot. Dallas locks up the five slot. Portland at six. The Lakers at seven. Golden State at eight. Memphis nine. And San Antonio ten. So the play-in scenario will be Wednesday and Friday. The Lakers will take on the Warriors and the Grizzlies will take on the Spurs on Wednesday. And then the loser of the Lakers-Warriors will take on the winner of the Grizzlies-Spurs on Sunday, or excuse me, on Friday. So uh, we will not know who the Jazz play in the first round uh, until Friday, obviously, after that game. All right, let's get some post-game sound going. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Ready. 
Uh, we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, we'll have a question from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune first. Quinn, I know you guys have said all season long that it's your it's your goal to just keep getting better night after night. Now that the regular season is over and uh, you've got the number one seed and the best record in the NBA, um, obviously you've got you know bigger stuff down the road. But are you able to kind of appreciate the significance of this moment and, and allow yourself a moment to kind of uh, appreciate the accomplishment, I guess. I think as much as the, the accomplishment, you know, for me, it's just, you appreciate this group of men and appreciate, um, the opportunity to coach them, you know, and appreciate what, you know, what they've accomplished in the regular season. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, that feeling about our teams, uh, you know, I want all of them, um, all of us to, you know, enjoy this moment um, because I, I feel like, you know, we do that. And like you said, you know, appreciate um, the regular season. And then I, I think that transitions us to, to where the mindset we need to have to, you know, try to play well in the playoffs and continue to um, team to compete and to execute. And that's, that's what these guys have done all year. They've, they've executed and they've competed. And that combination with, you know, a group of guys that's unselfish and, you know, as I said, wants to win, you know, good things can happen. And that's, you know, we're hopeful that it continue to happen. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Quinn, this season has been um, about more than just battling against the other teams. I mean, you guys have been battling against a pandemic, against the schedule that was really tough. Um, is there a greater sense of relief maybe that this one has come to a close and that you've made it through? I, I think, um, you know, a few weeks ago there, there was, you know, we were looking for, for that. And I think we, we shifted gears again mentally and, you know, tried to continue to embrace it. And I, I think that's what um, has been the thing that's, that's helped us, you know, whether it's fatigue or, you know, COVID or injury or loss, you know, that they've embraced all those things. And, you know, that, that's, that's the mindset we want to have um, just to, you know, to literally be right in the moment as much as we can when we're playing. And, you know, that, that the moment right now is, um, you know, to feel good about what this team has done in the regular season and, uh, and what, as you said, in such a, such a strange year on so many levels um, to be able to, to accomplish what, what we have. And I think we also have a keen understanding that, uh, you know, beginning next week, no one's, no one's worried about what you've done, you know, today or, or the previous, you know, months. It's, it's about pushing forward. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. When last game, we were kind of focused on Mike Conley's individual performance. And I thought today it was noteworthy how many, how well he played with his teammates, obviously nine assists and scoring as uh, moving as well as he did. What have you seen kind of, you know, in terms of him not having rust at, at his relationships with his, his teammates? Yeah, I, I think it shows you how deep they run. You know, it's, it's like a, you know, a friendship, um, 
you know, where you, you have a close friend that you don't see him in a while, it, it doesn't take you long to pick up where you left off. I, mean, I think we all know those types of relationships. And, you know, I, I think that's the relationship that Mike has with this team and with the guys on this team. And uh, that's the relationship that they have with him. So when that is the case, um, obviously there's certain things you try to figure out, but there's other things that just come natural. And I think that's what you saw. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. I know the, the game was only just went final, but have you thought about opening a playoff series at home? You guys haven't done that since you've been the head coach or are you not in playoff mode yet? There's a lot of things we haven't done. Um, and I think, you know, that that's, you know, that's always on your mind that you, the things you want to do. Um, if opening at home means that we win, I'm great with it. So I think that's going to be, you know, first and foremost on our minds. And as much as anything, I think it's the opportunity to play. You know, if there's one thing about this year, is you, you feel like I've thought a number of times, like, man, it'd be, it'd be great to have people in the stands. And we've, we've had some of that, you know, but you're picturing um, and remembering, you know, our fans and, you know, in Vivin and their support and, you know, and, you know, enthusiasm and those things that drive you. And uh, as I said, that that's been one thing that's come into my mind a few times this year, like, Hey, gosh, it'd be great. Cause we, we, you could share it, you know, and everybody gets to share in this. So to the extent that, you know, that's going to be the case here in the playoffs. And um, it's great that we have an opportunity, but I, I think all of our fans would also agree that, you know, we want to win no matter where we're playing. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder after his team wins and uh, locks up the best record in the NBA. Let's now hear from the players. Let's start things off with Rudy Gobert. Uh, we will start with uh, David James, KUTV. Rudy, what does it mean to be the uh, number one seed in the playoffs and have the best record in the NBA? I mean, I think it's, uh, it's a great accomplishment, you know, coming from we came from uh, seven seven years ago, you know, uh, from not making the playoffs and, uh, you know, building from scratch and uh, building stone after stone, you know, and uh, being able to build a culture, you know, build a, build a team, build an identity, you know, and, and being in this position today is, uh, you know, it's pretty amazing. You know, and, and obviously, uh, you know, it's, it's not our main goal. Our main goal is to to get the championship, but uh, you know we we still have to you know enjoy those moments and uh, you know and, and be proud of you know of the year and of the the work that we that we put in this year. Sarah Todd Desert News is up next. Rudy, can you try to describe how important Jordan Clarkson's role is going to be once the postseason begins? I think it's going to be very important. You know, uh, him coming in uh, every single night with uh, obviously his, his aggressiveness, you know, and uh, and his, his, his craziness, you know, I think in the playoffs it's going to be huge. And uh, and obviously, you know, just all of us being able to have that toughness, that tough mentality and, uh, you know, and just bring something that, you know, just bring a spark, you know, and we know how important it is uh, to have that guy, you know, during the playoffs to have somebody that comes in and, it can impact the game uh, in a big way, you know. And we know the best teams usually are the teams that are the teams that win it all. Are usually the teams that have a, 
a really good bench, you know. So uh, last off season, you know, that was the the main focus and the, the the management. You know, everyone did a great job, you know, making sure that uh, you know we had a, a team with a, a bench that could really uh, you know dominate and win us basketball games. And throughout the year, you know, we whether it's Jordan or even Joe, you know, those two guys, I think. Uh, uh, you know they've been amazing, uh, and when we have a few injuries, uh, they were able to start uh, and uh, and give us something that you know makes us, uh, I think, the best team in the league right now. Aaron Falk, UtahJazz.com. Rudy, they're going to let thirteen thousand fans in. Just wondering what it's going to mean to be able to share that moment in uh, with those fans in, in the building coming up. That is going to be amazing. You know, it's been a it's been a challenging year for everyone, and uh, being able to 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 share the moment, you know, be able to have the the presence of the fans, the energy of the fans uh, in the arena during the playoffs, I think it's going to be huge for us. Uh, you know, it's going to be a big lift, a big, a big advantage, and uh, you know, it's going to be fun. You know, I can't wait to uh, to get started, and you know, and uh, I think we are excited about it. You know, eight eight thousand was already getting loud a little bit, but 13 should be a, should be a pretty cool playoff atmosphere. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, you referenced how it's been a difficult year for everyone. Um, it's been a difficult year for you guys, you know, dating back to last season, obviously. So as the clock tonight hits triple zeros and you guys have secured the best record, number one seed, were you able to kind of appreciate it in that moment or, or are you immediately kind of you know forward thinking to the goals that are ahead I mean you gotta you gotta appreciate every moment and uh, you know going through what I've been through what we've been through uh, last year uh, if there's one thing that I learned you know is that you have to enjoy you know every moment and uh, you know that, that doesn't mean that you don't prepare yourself for you know what's coming. You know you got to be able to enjoy while, you know, keeping your head uh, in the right place, stay grounded, and uh, like Ricky Review always say, you know, never too high, never too low. But uh, just enjoy the moments, and uh, you know, and when you're able to be present, enjoy the moments. Usually, you're in a, a better position to to succeed and to accomplish whatever you want to accomplish. All right. Last question, Dana Green, ABC Four. Rudy, what's it going to be like this next week? Um, not knowing who you're preparing for, uh, you'll have an idea, but you won't really know till Friday. Is it just kind of working on yourselves and not worrying about your opponent? I think it's, it's about ourselves regardless. You know, we, I mean, obviously we know uh, the potential opponents that we, could, that we could face, but it's really about, you know, uh, uh, recharge, you know, get healthy, uh, get mentally prepared, you know, get physically, mentally prepared. Uh, and uh, <laughs> those, ma- those games are going to be fun to watch. I think, uh, you know, I'm excited to watch those games. And uh, whoever we face, you know, we know that, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a long journey and we're going to be ready uh, to face whoever we face. There is Rudy Gobert. Rudy, who had uh, just an incredible season, was uh, certainly awesome. Uh, again, last night, uh, 13.16 boards and uh, two block shots. Let's now hear from Mike Conley. Okay, we'll start with uh, Sarah Todd, Deseret News. 
Mike uh, Quinn and I mean, you, Rudy, Don, most of the guys on the team all season have been saying that one of the most important things is staying present and in the moment every day and not thinking too far back or too far ahead. Uh, how important is it going to be to keep that mindset as you guys move forward from this point? Well, I think it's very important. You know, that's one thing that we've, uh, as a team, have stuck to. And, um, and that is being present. That is being able to, you know, move on to the next play, move on to the next quarter. Um, and it's allowed us to just be the team that we are, you know, at this moment. And uh, even like today, like, you know, just telling the guys, like, this doesn't happen every, you know, every so often where you, you, you're the number one seed or number one team in the, in the whole NBA in the regular season. So enjoy the moment that we're in right now. Uh, today, tonight, and and, uh, and and tomorrow, get to thinking about the playoffs. So, um, you know, we're just excited to be in this position. Next up, Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Sorry, Mike, I'm trying to look back at your Memphis time. Have you opened a playoff series at home? And kind of regardless, what's the advantage of being able to do that? Oh, uh, yeah, we've uh, we've opened a, a playoff series at home. And it's, it's, uh, it's an advantage, I think, that, you know, there's a reason why teams work so hard to try to get in those top four slots is, is because when you're at home, you just, you're just in a better zone. You're in a better state mentally. You have a better routine. Um, you, your facilities are there for you. You know, there's the things that you do on a daily uh, can get you right for a game. And, and with the fans, you know, that's the, the reason, you know, we love to be in the playoffs is it's a whole different atmosphere than, than what you'll experience in the regular season. So having an advantage like we do, uh, especially in, uh, in Salt Lake City, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Nayo Campbell, UtahJazz.com. Hey, Mike. So with this one-week break, um, how are you going about making sure that you're mentally and physically prepared going into the postseason? Well, I think, you know, just for most of the guys, just trying to get them to, you know, take a day off, um, you know, let everything kind of settle in spend time with your family. You know, we've worked very hard. It's been a long year, uh, basically feels like a year and a half. We've just been going and going even since the bubble. Um, so, you know, just enjoy a day and, and come back locked in, you know, just, just understanding that, you know, like I said, understanding the moment, understanding, you know, what we have in front of us. Um, obviously we don't, with the playing tournament, we won't know who we're going to play uh, until later in the week, but, um, you know, for us, just to get our bodies right, get our conditioning together, get our timing together, continue to, to work together, and um, and keep our mind keep our mind on uh, what's coming up next. Dana Green, ABC Four. Mike, uh, you seem to work your way back in pretty smoothly to the rotation. How do you think it's going to go for Donovan this next week? Is that maybe the most important thing this week? Is getting him uh, 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 back into you know acclimated into the rotation? Well, yeah, you know, I think, you know, it'll be something that Don's thinking about, we're all thinking about is, is, is him coming back and making sure that, you know, everything's laid out for him to where he can come back and just fit in like he, like he always has. And, and he's the guy, he knows he's the guy, he knows he's going to, you know, take us as far as, as, as we want to go. So um, when he's healthy and, and he's, he's getting there and, and, you know, he's excited and feeling good, we know he's going to do well with our team. You know, he just, he's the guy that's just unselfish and, you know, we're going to do whatever we can to make it easy on him during the week uh, to, to get him back in shape, get him back ready to go. And, uh, and I'm sure he'll be as confident and ready as ever. David James, KUTV. 
Mike, there are plenty of Jazz fans who uh, don't really want any part of the Lakers or Warriors in the first round and would prefer the Grizzlies to win twice and get through this play-in tournament. And I'm just considering all your time there and all the ties, if it did come to that, what would that mean to you? Man, um, if we ended up playing the Grizzlies, that'd be actually kind of wild. You know, I would have never... I would have never thought you know, I'd be on the other side coming in and, you know, to FedEx form and um, as an opponent, you know, in a playoff atmosphere, that just never was a thought of mine. And like, you know, just saying that, I mean, it would be, it'd be, be weird. It'd be awesome. Um, but uh, you know, we'll just have to see how it plays out. You know, I don't think there's going to be, you know, in the Western conference, there's not going to be anybody you really want to play. Um you know, when it comes in, in, in the, those top eight seeds, because everybody's capable. So, you know, Memphis is the team, you know, I'll have fun, you know, being able to go down there and play, but we'll just have to see how it goes. All right. And last question, follow up from Sarah Todd. Mike, you've, you've been in many playoff situations. How, how important is it to have a guy like Jordan Clarkson that can score and produce at his level coming off the bench? Well, guys like him, um, they they can win you games. They can win you series. And you know, with his ability to to heat up, you know, so quickly and just change the the, the flow of a game when things just seem to not be going the right way, or we're having a tough time scoring the ball, or an off night, he he tends to find ways to get get it going. And not everybody has a guy like that. You know, I think that's why he'll be you know sixth man of the year. And the reasons, you know, you know that 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 I just said, you know, just his ability to. To, to change games and, and, and do it so effort, effortless, effortlessly, excuse me, effortless, effortlessly, goodness gracious. Um, but he's uh, he's a guy that that uh, we, we're going to count on and, and just you know, let him do his thing and, you know, uh, and just sit back and watch sometimes. There's Mike Conley. Mike, uh, very good last night. Came back for the last couple of games, a little tune-up for the playoff. Hamstring did not uh, appear to be an issue. Mike uh, was plus 28 in 22 minutes, 11 points, 9 assists, and 6 rebounds. Let's now wrap up the player sound with Jordan Clarkson. We'll start here with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Jordan. Can you kind of just take us through the emotions of, you know, surviving a really tough you know, kind of unpredictable season. And then for the first time ever, you know, this jazz team securing the best record in the league, securing the number one seed uh, in the Western conference class, just kind of what went through your mind in those moments is that, has that became a reality? Um, just, uh, you know, a test of everybody's sacrifice, hard work throughout this whole year. Like you said, it's been a little weird one, uh, a little different for us. Um, but it's definitely a great feeling. Um, just because we know we put a lot into it this year. Uh, you know, it all kind of started uh, in the bubble. Um, all of us getting real, you know, close and becoming a tight-knit group. Um, and then going through this year, you know, with guys out, um, guys coming back in the lineup, you know, stuff that, that happens through uh, every season, you know, everybody just kind of uh, staying tough and going through it. It just means a lot. Um, but we know uh, we got bigger goals, not just trying to be the uh, number one team in the NBA for the regular season. You know, we're trying to, um, you know, play big time in the playoffs and uh, do something special. So, um, you know, we know we got uh, we got bigger fish to fry. All right. Next up, Sarah Todd, Deseret News. 
Jordan, I know that I'm like everyone's playing through bumps and bruises and stuff at this point. Uh, you told us about uh, the hand injury that you had and you've been playing through, you know, ankle injuries and stuff. How are you feeling right now uh, with both of those injuries and going into what is probably a really good week of rest? Um, pretty good. You know, when I, when I hurt my ankle, I was, I was out for like a week and was able to, you know, kind of get my body, you know, back into, you know, place, trying to get back to a hundred percent. Um, you know, it just, it was just time to just tune it up and get ready for the playoffs. You know, we got a big run in front of us. Um, but definitely with this week off, it's going to be a lot of treatment and getting right, um, and getting ready for the playoffs. So, uh, that's definitely something that uh, happened during that break when I was there and came back kind of, you know, fully and healthy and ready to go. Hands feeling good? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, David James, KUTV. Jordan, since you started with the Lakers and you played with LeBron in Cleveland, nobody knows the results of this playing tournament for sure. But if the Lakers end up the eighth seed and you end up playing them in the first round, what would that mean to you? Would there be a little extra meaning to that given your, your history? Um, no, nah, just another playoff series. You know, one we got to win. You know, we looking at it, um, you know, one game at a time and uh, being ourselves in, the, in, those, uh, in those games. So whoever we play – you know, the West ain't no fluke at all. So, you know, we got it's, – it's really good teams, one to ten. So, you really going – whatever, you got to lace them up and come to play. All right, last question, Naya Campbell, utahjazz.com. Uh, JC, you're always a whole vibe. And so, as someone that listens to a lot of music, what song would you say describes your vibe and mood right now? Uh – let me see. Let me see. Right now, uh, just for our team and headed into the playoffs. How you're feeling? Yeah. Uh, tears for fears. Uh, everybody wants to rule the world. Okay, I'm gonna go listen to that right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all we've got. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> There's Jordan Clarkson, the the theme song for the team right now. Everybody wants to rule the world. How about that? Even had it queued up and ready to go at the end. 33 points last night for Clarkson, and I think uh, uh, will be the sixth man of the year. I think Rudy Gobert will get defensive player of the year as well. Deservedly so for both of those guys. Your final, Jazz beat the Kings 121-99, to finished the regular season 52-20. and There's the best of the postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.